0: <laughs> and I can do we can do outtakes too okay. tell me how to pronounce your name Sorry. Aaron Ba Ba Ba, ba. 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 Okay. okay I just want to make sure okay and yeah, let me just go over here Okay. Hello. This is Jacqueline Sanders Blackman with Technology Expresso, and today I'm interviewing Aaron Baugh, the Deputy CIO, the Chief Information Officer at the City of Atlanta Department of Information Management Services. So, hello, Aaron.
1: Good morning. Thank you. How are you doing, Jackie?
0: I'm doing <laughs> excellent. Excellent. Um, it's just such a pleasure. You know, we met at the Pink Tech Women's uh, International Day, uh, Women's Day. Program And you were being honored. So I'm honored now to be able to have this opportunity to really kind of do a deep dive (laughs) and let people know, you know, what is the day in the life of a CIO? You know, (laughs) what all is involved? But before we, we go there, take us back. How did you get into IT, technology? What was your path?
1: Okay, so my story is I kind of fell into this. Okay, so my background, prior to coming to the city of Atlanta, I worked for a company that was called Choice Point, which no longer exists. It was purchased by LexisNexis in 2008. And so I started there, when I started there, it was Equifax. I started with Equifax, and Equifax pretty much had two umbrellas. They had insurance services, and they had financial services, which was the credit bureau. So under insurance services, you had risk, you had employment screening, and things like that. So I kind of fell on that group. Um, Although it was a technology-based company under the insurance services. So when we broke off or spun off from Equifax, ChoicePoint took on its own name, new life, that type of thing. And so I've always been interested in technology. So even though I worked at what we call the field office. Um, Any new technology that came out, I wanted to be a part of the project because it was going to come downstream, right? So they were creating it in corporate office and then they would come and deploy, of course, in our local center. So I always wanted to find out what it was. I like new and dynamic stuff, right? How it was going to impact us and so I wanted to be kind of on the front end. So I spent some time, um, even though I was an operations manager. Um, Helping to lead projects in our local centers and so when I came to the city of Atlanta one of my first projects was implementing a CRM Which is a customer relationship management system and from there just kind of spun off and I've been in this field ever since I've been with the city for eight years, so since 2008 Absolutely, but you know,
0: just some, some great key points is that you're, you like the dynamic, you looked for it, absolutely. you weren't afraid to take on new challenges, and even maybe sometimes get out of your comfort zone. Absolutely, I <laughs> absolutely.
1: And in IT, because it is ever changing, you are being stretched constantly. Um, I work, I report directly to a CIO and um, he is super technical. Right. I mean, he knows project management inside now. He knows applications, the infrastructure, server network. So there's no getting around him. Getting. I mean, he knows his stuff. So he stretches me in my thinking. He stretches me in my work. You know, my largest responsibility right now is managing our project management office. And so with that comes um a diverse uh, portfolio portfolio projects so we have our regular infrastructure projects which help to keep the lights on we have our grow projects which are going to stretch the city so we have a new big project we're doing an r12 upgrade for oracle erp which is going to be significant for the city And then we have what we call kind of mainstream um, technologies like mobile, building mobile platforms because those are new and so people want to be able to have mobile workforces. So for our sanitation departments, for our uh, road construction departments which are part of Public Works, for our Department of Watershed Management, for the people who are out there fixing the pipes that are in the ground and things like that. So we have a a vast majority, a good variety of um, different projects and so technology I love because I believe it helps to push us forward, Um, but technology also can be a hindrance sometimes, right, if it's not used appropriately, especially when we don't have good processes. And so that's another area where my office comes in to help our customers. What do your processes look like today? What do you want them to look like in the future? Because to lay technology on top of that just makes a bad process or even badder process, right? You just get it in a faster way. Um, and so we try to help them make good business decisions, um, around their work processes and then we introduce the technology, add the technology. Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, that's
0: one of the things that, um, a lot of people don't necessarily understand. Mm-hmm. They think technology, they think the coder. They think mm-hmm. that person sitting in that corner in that cubicle just banging on their keyboard mm-hmm. for eight hours and they think, uh, that's, you know, that's so mundane. Right. But it's so much more. It, it takes is. a village and in, in kind of what you're describing, mm-hmm. you know so actually walk us through because I want them to kind of visualize you know there's a whole team here I see here in the CIO suite so kind of describe the different roles and players
1: that make up the team okay so um let me let me share this with you too because over the last um year and a half we've gone through a transformation and when i say transformation we've gone from our department was originally called um dit that was our little nickname department of information technology and so we rebranded ourselves as aim which is atlanta information management systems services and the reason why we did that is because our business is about information not just technology it is what you do with the technology right what it produces for you so the information that you use to make better business decisions and so in our suite here we have um Uh, the PMO, which is the project management office, we have the CIO's office, which he's responsible for everything here. We have our chief information security officer, which is a new position. Um, We also have a CTO, which we didn't have before, that's the chief technology officer. He's responsible for our infrastructure. And infrastructure consists of our network teams, which are those people that keep the internet up, right? And our internet pipe, so it keeps information flowing across the network. We have our server team. That is our hardware department. So just like you go to Lowe's and Home Depot for your hardware, you come to us, IT. Our service team is our hardware shop. Um, With that, we also have our service desk. So this is the desk. This is the place where... If there's an issue with your computer, there's a uh, slowness on the network, you can't get something done, you put a a call into our service desk. So you can call them or you can email them to log what we call tickets right? um, for response. We also have um, our business and performance accountability office, which is new. In that, we have our contracting office and our contracting manager, so they help us with any new contracts we need to put in place. They also help us to manage our existing contracts, so when they're due for maintenance and renewals, um, they help us with legislation because everything we purchase just about has to go before City Council, so it has to be legislated. Um, And then within that same office is what we call performance and accountability, which is essentially quality. So looking at the quality of our work, the service desk tickets, are we meeting our performance service level agreements for the project management office? How many of your projects are in critical caution or control state? Um, um, And we look at that phase over phase. Um, They look at things like um, the uh, availability of your applications, what's your uptime? And so our highest level for our most critical applications is 99.999. And so we evaluate that on a monthly basis to see how we're trending and and are our applications up and available for our customers. Within the same office we have... um, the the way that the um, uh, CIO has broken our organization down is we we have what we call service delivery areas. And so um, when we were called DIT, th- what the office looked like essentially was a CIO and two deputy CIOs. And that was it. And they managed the entire city. And so what you have to understand about our organization is we support the entire city of Atlanta, which is over 8,000 employees. Right, So we, when our new CIO, Samir Saini, came in, what he decided is that it's not enough people to be able to effectively manage the responsibilities for the city and to make ourselves available to our customers. So what he did was we broke it down by service delivery areas. So for example, we have BJ Goganini who leads what we call CAS. And CAS stands for City Administrative Services. And so those are all your back office departments here at the city that need support. So he's their business relationship manager. So you have departments like Department of Procurement, the Department of Human Resources. Um, You have um, some parts of the mayor's office. You also have the Department of Law. And you have audit that falls under his realm of responsibility. And with that, he has the largest application that we provide support for, and that's Oracle. Then we have Kirk... Talbert who oversees our COS which is COS and that is city operations support. And so these are all your departments that are citizen-facing that offer services to citizens. So, for example, for permitting that falls under the Department of Planning and Community Development. So he oversees that group. 311, which is a new initiative that was launched um, almost two years ago for the city. So these are all non-emergency calls that come in. So that's citizen-facing. So he manages that team as well. Um, or he supports that department, provides support for them. He also has Department of Public Works that falls under his. which is one of our largest workforces for the city of Atlanta, um, Department of uh, Public Works, and then um, he has some other ancillary groups like sustainability, our office of entertainment and film. Um, he also has um, immigration affairs and he works also with Invest Atlanta. So he has probably the largest um, de- um, um, portfolio of projects and the departments that he provides services for. And then we have um, Department of Watershed Management which is considered an enterprise fund. So. We are considered a general fund Which means all of our um, Funding comes from the public So it comes from taxpayers Enterprise funds mean they are are A revenue generating um, department So the Department of Watershed Has uh, uh, a Deputy CIO, his name is Vin Balaga, and he falls under our team as well, but he is fully funded by Department of Watershed, so he provides services for that area. And Department of Watershed is also, like Public Works, one of our largest workforces. Um, Of course, they're managing our water, our drinking water, and our wastewater services. And then we have um, public safety and justice, which is number one for the mayor. Public Mm -hmm. safety, right? Mm So. Under Public Safety and Justice, the departments that fall um, um, under that family would be of course our Atlanta Police Department, um, Atlanta Fire and Rescue, our Department of Corrections, the Solicitor's Office, Public Defender's Office, and the Municipal Courts. So we also take care of the judges and all court administration as well. And so Ben Graham is our Deputy CIO who provides for that particular area. Um, And so you can see we've gone from... The small team that I told you earlier, one CIO and two deputies, we have a CIO and we have four key deputies that provide services for these particular areas and then we have a chief of staff, which is also new for our area, she, Daphne Rackley, she oversees the Office of um, Business and Performance Accountability, which I explained a little bit earlier. I'm a new deputy for the PMO office, and then we have a Chief Technology Officer Jason um, Watkins who oversees all of infrastructure so Jason and I are like partners in crime because we're the ones who are responsible for keeping the lights on and keeping things going right so we're Jason is like the foundation, I'm kind of like his glue, right, as we build. And so people often forget, and I have to remind them, they often forget about Jason when we're scoping out projects and we're thinking about new initiatives because they think, oh, I just need a project manager, oh, I just need a business analyst. Um, That's great, but you also need the people to do the work, and that's Jason's team. So you need a network engineer, you need a server engineer, you need a telecom specialist. Um, You might need someone to do cabling and wiring for your work. And so infrastructure is very um, important. So without them, we wouldn't be successful. So we've grown our area here, and we've gone with our CIO, who has a great vision for um, this organization and for the city. And we've gone from um, one CIO and two deputies to one CIO, and we have seven deputies that provide services for the city's 8,000-plus employees.
0: Amazing! Amazing! That—that's a lot of um, information <laughs> <laughs> that you have stored in your head. So I just. You know, I'm just amazed with your retention ability (laughs) (laughs) in and of itself. But, um, you know, but it's like you said, a a major city like Mm -hmm. Atlanta. It kind of gives people an idea that behind the scenes, all the computer Uh and software, you know, that is so vital to running a city uh, of this magnitude. Um, Let's talk a little bit because behind your name are a couple of, they sometimes call that the alphabet soup <laughs> behind your name. Um, and so I kind of want you to share with the audience some of the additional education training you pursued that that, that someone would need at your level. And so talk a little bit about, there I see PMP, I see the, the ITIL, so talk about each
1: of those and, and maybe the progression of your
0: educational
1: path. Okay. So um, my undergrad actually um, degree is in organizational leadership. Um, leadership is just my mantra. I mean, I just believe that's part of my purpose, right? And so, in any environment you stick me in, you know, the leader is going to emerge. It just doesn't matter. And so, I found my space here um, in technology, and I'm I'm very very um, happy about that. I'm very pleased with with where things are going, and I feel like um, this has become a almost like a launching pad, um, so to speak. So um, while I've been in this role, it's been very important because I did not have my um, project management professional um, certification before I came here. So once I got here and I took on a couple of projects, um, that was my next move. So I was like, you need to be taken seriously in this field, so go and get your certification. Um, And so um, I had a boss at the time, she's no longer here, she was very big on education and she was very big on certifications. And so. She paid for us to obtain our certifications, to go to boot camp um, and get uh, trained. And so after that, of course, I went and sat for the test. Now, that is a four-hour exam I never want to take again, never, ever. So I'm getting my 60 credits (laughs) so I can stay credentialed. Um, but since I've obtained the, um, PMP designation, I will just tell you that people look at you differently, um, they respect you differently, um, as a professional in the field, um, and it's also helped to shape how I govern and how the processes that we put in place for our PMO office. And so even when we're hiring like senior project managers um, and even when we're hiring junior project managers if they don't have a PMP credential we give them a certain time period and say you must achieve right during this window of time uh, because it does make a difference we want to make sure we're speaking the same language we're executing our projects the same way and so we don't want any hindrances um, or anything to stop us from the way that we serve as our clients right and which are of course the these various departments I named in the city of Atlanta and so um, in 2011, um, I believe it was, or 2012, um, ITO kind of emerged for us, okay? And so that's looking at your infrastructure um, library, infrastructure and technology kind of um, library, looking at your services, your service delivery, how you deliver services to your customers. It's a whole framework. And so we took um, version three, which is foundations, um, as part of our start um, with that. and. Um, It changed a little bit at that time from us looking at ourselves as just, um, um, I I guess almost, I, I use the analogy of a car rental, right? You know, people just come in, get what they want drive the car off and come back in so it took us from being that to looking at ourselves more of a service organization saying what is it that we want to provide not just what people want to come and take you know little pieces of and so you got a little hodgepodge and we had so many silos but how do we build this as a real service and run it like a business um in government oftentimes people don't think of uh, it being a service organization and it, they don't think of running it like a business No, we're not corporate America, but the things that we've learned and we've gleaned the efficiencies and things like that That we can bring just because it's called the city of Atlanta and it's a municipality and this government does not mean that we can't bring efficiencies And so um, our new CIO um, Even as late as last year um, He put in pretty much a mandate that says everyone within the Department of AIM will Um, take ITIL training. And we have. And we have about a 95% success rate of people passing the exam on the the first time. And so the majority of our staff already have received their certification ITIL um, version 3 foundations. And so right now what we're doing is we're looking at the next level and who we want to send for that training so looking a little deeper into the service delivery model, the service design um, as we look to bring on a new service management tool. So that's one of our projects as well and we're building it out using the ITIL framework. Oh, awesome. Awesome. Mm-hmm.
0: You know and, and this is um, you know a couple of messages there about the continuing education you mm-hmm. kind of you touched upon that earlier that in IT you have to keep yourself on top of the, the different um, uh trend not just the trends but the different methodologies and that type of thing um and then you know another thing that people should also that that resonates with me is when an organization is willing
1: to invest Invest. in the education Uh of their employees and i will say this um when our cio came in one of the things that he said is we're setting aside training dollars for training for certifications, not to send you to conferences, but to get you trained. And But before we can do that, we have to assess. And so we spent some time looking at our workforce, um, and I will say that he's kept his commitment. So for example, um, in our imp- on our infrastructure team, because you have server um, engineers, you have network engineers, you have telecom specialists, you have telecom engineers, you have um, those who do the wiring and cabling. Um, and various other functions. And so one of the things that they're doing is looking at what what is a curriculum that we can build, right? So that there's a, a, a training plan that shows succession, right, for your work, shows your ability to be promoted within your work, but shows how you're expanding your competency, right, as a City of Atlanta professional, as an IT professional. And so they've been working with Microsoft and various other agencies because there are, um, there are multiple ways of getting it done, you know, because dollars are, um, <laughs> you know, my grandma always said you can only spend a dollar once, right? So when we get those dollars in our budget, we have to spend them wisely. And so um, our CTO has done a great job of partnering with various um, local training vendors um, around the city and and putting together, um, like I said, a plan for each of his um uh, areas of discipline and the, 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 um, those positions within those particular, um, uh, disciplines to say, here's a track, right? We're going to build this track out. And so within one year, we would have achieved this. Within 18 months, we would have achieved this in 24. And I think it's making a difference with our staff. They are coming to work. They feel more empowered. They feel like they're, um, there's a true investment in them and their careers and where they want to go. So we're not trying to pigeonhole people. We're trying to help them, right? And so we're trying to help them grow and become the best employees that they can be. Because with that, that means they're going to perform at the optimal level, right? Which our customers are then going to be satisfied. So not just rebranding ourselves from DIT to AIM, but really looking at the whole spectrum of our employee base and saying, I believe in you, right?
0: right.
1: I want the best for you. I want you to feel good when you walk through these doors. I want you to give it, not just 100%, right? And so I don't want you, one of the, one of the things that we say around here is we, we don't want them to feel like they're at work. Right, because when you love what you're doing and you're really passionate about it, it's not work. It's just what I do, right? And so you do it with joy, and you do it with excitement, and you do it with passion, and it shows, right? Not just sometimes, but it shows every day. And so we want to get consistent in the way that we deliver those services to our customers.
0: Well, awesome, awesome. And you know, I I, I like that. And it's a two-way street that um, when people are looking for opportunities, they need to look for organizations that think and have these type of philosophies mm-hmm. um, for them as well, you know, right. so that they don't, they're not just copying from job to job. Absolutely. And absolutely. I, I, I can completely relate because I have a passion for IT and, um, you know, I think that's almost, that's very important in IT mm-hmm. too. I think about that, like when I think about doctors, I want them to be passionate about absolutely. their work. I don't want them right. to think of it Good. as a job. Right. Well, when you think about how much we rely on technology, mm-hmm. Um, you know, you want people behind the technology to be passionate <laughs> about what, what they, they do, do. you know, and not just trying to run out of the door at five o'clock right. and, you know, hack a little code here mm-hmm. and there. So it, it's, it's, I think that's <laughs> really, really, you know, I, I think it gives people insight right. about uh, your office and what you do. Yeah. Um, well, let me ask you now. I'm going to change the topic a little bit okay. related to women okay. in IT okay. because there's a lot of chatter about that. And so you're one of the exceptions to the rule when we start talking about people at the C-level okay. and, um, you know, in IT. Tell us about your experience and, you know, along the way, okay. did you find challenges because you were a w- woman and, or, and how you dealt with those? Mm-hmm. Uh,
1: yes. I would say I did um, have challenges. One of my buffers when I first came in was um, I was a director and so I had a deputy that I reported to, right, and she was a woman. And so she buffered a lot of things so I didn't have to deal with them. She kind of took the brunt of it. But when she left (laughs) um, I started working for um, another deputy who actually was a female too so it's very interesting um and um they're two different personality sites but one of the things i i learned from her was she was a buffer too but um she would allow you opportunities though to kind of fight your own battles right or you know get in the arena a little bit because you can't you don't know your strength right and what powers you have or you know, your negotiation skills um, if somebody's always doing it for you, right? And so, um, having the opportunity to kind of see firsthand some adversity. I remember a meeting I went to, I'll never forget this, a meeting I went to and it was about a project, and it was a big project. And um, there was a COO, deputy COO, um, and there were all these commissioners around the table. And this was my first time um, actually at this particular meeting. And so I'm sitting around the table and I'm looking at all the people And I started listening to what they were saying, you know, the conversation. So it wasn't my turn to speak. um, So I'm just listening. And one of the things I realized, um, Jacqueline, was these are people just like me, right? And so the questions they had, the thoughts they had, the insecurities that you could see some of them have or lack of confidence in some things. I mean, it just kind of put me at ease and just say, just say what you have to say, you know. I mean, it's not like. They're any different from you. They have a different title, right, um, but they're still people. So that in that moment, I was just like, relax, right, just be you, and it went fine. Um, but I will say that um, th- there have been some challenges. i noticed differences between sometimes how women are treated versus how men um, are treated. Now one of the things I will say about Mayor Reed is he has a lot of women in his administration as part of his cabinet. Um, And his team But in IT what I've noticed is when you go to conferences It's mostly male-dominated When you're asked as a matter of fact, I was just recently asked about a CIO forum Um, It's all males. I'll be the only female that was on it if I accept their invitation Um, They get a lot more invitations than women do to go out and speak Um, so I, I just wonder why Because, of course, we're more than capable, Um, and I think sometimes we don't put ourselves out there, right, to say, hey, I'm available, or I want to do that. So either volunteering in that space or um, signing up to say, hey, when you have your next whatever that is, right, your conference, your panel discussion, put me on it or consider me, you know, Mm -hmm. for that. Um, I do feel like, you know, with the team that we have here, it's a pretty good team, but even with them sometimes I have to say, hey, I'm here. Nope, we're not going to do that. Consider this, you know, bring me in. And so I have to remind them sometimes um, because I I don't, and I don't necessarily think um, from them that it's because um, they don't respect me. Um, I just think that part of it is this is what I'm used to. And so men acclimate. So I will share this about um, at Christmas, um, my boss took us out for Christmas dinner. (laughs) And so what was interesting was, We were taking a picture, and then we all noticed all the women were sitting up front at the front of the table, and all the men were sitting to the back of the table. So it's a long table, right? And so they said, no, we got to mix it up. And so um, nobody wanted to change seats, so we all stayed. But then what it puts in your mind is we gravitate to what is natural, right? And where we feel like there's conversation or there's some... um, there's some connection. And so sometimes I find I have to go out of my way to say, you know what, I need to have a meeting with you, or let's go to lunch together, or let's have breakfast. Um, because sometimes if people aren't willing to come to you, you have to go to them. Um, and so I will say I've never really faced here a lot of hostility. I will say my former job, um, it was uh, um, some of the IT professionals were a little bit more condescending. Um, and I read this book one time called... Um, how to lead geeks, and um, one of the things it talked about is that a lot of people in i t have their own language, and so it can seem to you that they're abrupt or they're rude or they lack tact, but it's this is what I know, right, and this is what I do, and so you're an outsider if you can't speak that language, and so I learned um during those days how to navigate a little bit and not you know to be so um uh, offended, but to have more thicker skin because it's not that they meant to, they, they mean to, um, talk down to you. It's just, this is my language and I'm comfortable here. Right. And so I I think, um, as women, we have, we certainly have made some strides. I think there's more to do. And so I feel like I have a responsibility, um, to do more. And, um, we just recently had a women's tea here, um, in honor of, um, Women's History Month last month. And so it was an opportunity for us to recognize all the women that work in this office because we have about 200 employees and um, probably about, well, maybe like 50-50 or 55-45, 55% of them are women. And so along with myself, um, the chief of staff is also a woman. So, And then at the airport, we have another deputy. So there are three as part of our team. Uh, and then all the rest of them are males
0: and you know so and and since we're talking about and 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 this is you know um you know just bridging to not only do you see things from the perspective of a woman but Mm -hmm. from a a black female right you know so it's almost the double minority Mm -hmm. so some people talk about that as well so what is your experience with that and Um, have you ran into challenges and
1: sometimes they can be very subtle Subtle. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Um, there are some of those um, challenges particularly when you work with people who are um, I'd say super technical right meaning that's all that's been their background went to school Um, their work history, that's not been my story, right? I'm kind of, I'm I'm leadership, I'm operations, so I'm all over the place, right? And I've landed in IT. Um, Always having something to do with technology, but just never um, at this level. And so as I've been promoted, one of the things I've tried to do is, um, I'm very observant, so that's part—that's the coaching me, right? Is to observe, not ask questions. That unnerves some people because I ask questions. So as a African-American female, um, that does make some of my counterparts and people that I've encountered a little nervous. It's like, why is she asking me that? What is that about? Or I've had, um, and this is, you know, with men that are, are black men and Caucasian men to say, you need to stay in your lane. Yeah, I've actually had someone say that to me. And so my question to them was, who defines my lane? Are you defining my lane? What do you mean by stay in my lane? And essentially what I, in in that conversation, um, he didn't want to finish it. (laughs) So we moved on, but what I, later I went back to speak to him a couple of days later and I said, here's what I was attempting to do, right? Because I thought I was being helpful, right? And um, he said, well, I just felt like you were trying to tell me what to do and you were trying to control my department. And I said, has that ever happened before? Like, I've known you for four years. So has that ever happened before? He was like, no. I said, so to me, I use the same style technique. I mean, everything was the same. So what's different about this? And so he was upset, partly because I had been promoted. That was the root of the issue, right? And then the other part was, how dare you suggest? And so you know the way I ended up with the Jacqueline is I was like that's his issue not mine because I went to talk to you about it right and to explain what my position was but it did change something in me a little bit and so I have on my board I have a board in my office that um, has a lot of inspirational sayings and so one of the things it says "Stay in your lane less accidents and so It means two things for me. One, focus on your main thing. Whatever your main thing is that you're supposed to be doing, keep your eyes on that, right? That's in your lane. The other thing is don't give help where help isn't wanted. So sometimes we think we're being helpful, but help is rejected. They don't really want it. Um, the other thing that I have in my office up on my um, bookshelf, it says be yourself. And so every day I come in, that's a reminder to me to be authentic, to be the best me I could be, but being myself. And if that makes people uncomfortable, that's an issue for them. It's not an issue for Aaron. And so those are real growth moments that I've had to have because I, I have people every now and then, they'll, they'll do things um, that are very subtle, like they'll make comments. So for example, in... Building a PMO, we've had to look at how things were before because they were fragmented, right? So they were siloed PMO. So we built an enterprise PMO. That means bringing people together, bringing processes together, creating standardization of how we do things, introducing governance because we didn't have that before. So what does a governance model look like? Who's going to be included in these boards and all that? And so we worked through that over the last 14 months. And you have people who criticize. So I've learned to not take it personally we're at work, it's professional, we're not going home together, we are going to work together and so we're going to be civil and we're going to be cordial and we're going to show respect, but I do have people who throw a little, and some of it is, um, I've had comments like, um, that's what girls do, I'm a woman, full grown, Um, or they make comments like, you need a guy for that. Or here's somebody who needs to come in, and the person they want to recommend is a male, not a female. And so things like that. And so I I will tell you, one of the things about me is I challenge the process. That's part of my makeup. And so I go right back. You know, and so not in a confrontational way, but in a way that says, let's talk about this and explore what you mean behind that. Because if you you didn't have any ill intentions, this is going to be an easy conversation. But if you did, then that's going to be hard for you. Right. It's not going to be hard for me because I'm going to be at the table and I'm going to ask the question. So um, I, I found that. But I've also found. Um, confidence in myself I, I had to grow to that though um, I found confidence in myself by saying What people think of me And how they judge me That's them And But what I need to do is make sure I'm consistently Showing up as Aaron Baugh So who is Aaron Baugh? Aaron Boss is a leader Aaron Bard's is caring, Aaron Baugh is compassionate Aaron Baugh is Um um, has integrity so you can trust that what she says she's gonna do she does what she says she's gonna do You can see that she's consistent and getting here to work that she has high standards Not for one person, but for everybody on the team if you need her to help you with something She's a team player So those are things that I pride myself on and I say when I walk in the door show up This is what you're gonna give them every day um, when I took this job on my boss um, said to me he said hey we need you to be the glue to help us bring this together because one of the directors had left right and so he said can you do that for us it was supposed to be interim temporary right this is in december of 2014 and so i came over here start pulling things together start building the team up um fast forward it was um january he said hey i need you to come to this meeting with with me what some things that we're going to be doing so we had all hands meeting he introduced me as part of the team we start building a strategic plan Um, and then that March he said, Hey, I'm going to make a decision about this position. You know, it's not going to be interim, you know, I want to make you permanent in this particular role. And so fast forward, that's how I became the deputy CEO. He was like, be the glue and help me. And so I just believe that when you give it your all, right. And the opportunity is there, the right opportunity and the timing you're clicking on all cylinders it happens and so I thank God because it was him right that opened the door and so I'm thankful that he prepared me so that I could walk through the door right and to be able to perform the task and do the job that needed to be done um, so that I could sit here today and talk to you but also to inspire and to coach and to help other women find their place if it's in technology I want you to be the best at it, and so I was sharing with you a little bit earlier how um, I I, um, work with um, girls over at Spelman in the Bonner Scholars Program, so I I conduct some workshops for um, the school there, and there are engineers in their program. There are scientists in their program, young girls who want to be scientists. There are some who want to be project managers. They want to be business analysts. And so they've gone to school for four years, and it's like, how do I get in? Like, what do I do? What can I do with this degree, like, when I'm finished? And so when I start talking to them about, oh, you can do this. You can be a business analyst, and this is what that job looks like. You can be a project manager, and here's what that job looks like. You can even take um, being a scientist. The Department of Watershed Management, they have scientists. So they look at erosion of the the, uh, the earth, the dirt, the water, how that affects the water. They have people who work in labs that does, they do testing, right, on water and the water samples. So they're all kind of, um, Industries that you can get in and not be locked into what seems traditional. And also sharing with them how we need women in STEM, you know, the science, technology, engineering, and and mathematics. And so those things you can use here. Also for telecom. If you're, you know, if you want to get into telecommunications, we have field engineers that do that work. Um, we also have a director who is a uh, female that leads our telecom um, team here, and so you have those opportunities, um, people we partner with at and and some of those um, organizations where you're out there and women are being shown how to lay fiber right what that looks like the communication channels and and building those type things so there are a lot of opportunities in non you know traditional settings Um, but there are a lot of opportunities for women and um, technology absolutely you know one of the things
0: uh, that that you touched upon but i really want you to kind of expand is about coaching mentoring you know maybe start with, with some of the people that Were your coaches or mentors or who inspired you? if you have any particular role models? But how important that is to young people coming along and and going down this career path?
1: Well, I'll tell you, mentoring is a love of mine, right? And coaching is definitely my love. Um, And so, oh, so you'll be the first to know. So I've met with um, one of the program directors um, in our office, and I was speaking with her last week, and I said, we're going to develop a mentoring program here, Right? for the PMO. And the reason why I want to do that is because there are a lot of people who come, some experience, some a little inexperienced, but they need um, someone to mentor them, right? So smooth the edges out, help them navigate the way, that kind of thing. And I see that as important because that happened to me early on in my life. So I've had several um, informal and formal mentors. And so I'll tell you about um, one of my first informal mentoring experiences. was a lady, Rita Burrows, is her name, and she was from England. And she and her husband Charlie lived in Winter Park, Florida, but she worked here in Atlanta, and at the company where I formerly worked. And so I remember um, being promoted to a supervisor. And so um, with that, you know, it's a shift from being, you know, among your team and and even being a team leader to now these same people that I used to go lunch with and hang with now you're a supervisor. So. Um, your style of dress and your conversations, all of that, right, um, came into play. So I remember one day she said, come, let me talk to your love. That's how she spoke to you. And so I said, yes, Rita. And so, um, she said, I want to say, I like the way you dress, but I want to make sure you have these particular things in your wardrobe. You need a black skirt, a blue skirt. A navy jacket, a black jacket, a gray skirt, and you can wear slacks if you like. Now, she always wore skirts, right? And Rita was in sales, so she didn't report to me. She didn't have to say anything to me, but she took me aside as a 25-year-old and said, make sure your wardrobe has these things in it. And I always tell that story because I'll never forget it. Um, As much as I like to dress up, no one had ever said these particular things you need to have, right? Make sure that you have. So, I appreciate her and when I got into tough times. Um, she would come to me and say, let's process. Let's think about what you just experienced. What's just happened? What did we learn from that? And so she helped me build plans, right, so that I could be successful. Uh, Because I felt like at times, you know, being that young I had been thrown to the wolves, right? So I'm like, yes, I'm up for the challenge. And then you get in and it's like, oh my God, everything is coming to you, coming at you from every angle. And so she was my informal mentor that helped me navigate my first two years of um, supervising. So I yeah, love and appreciate Rita Burrows, and from a formal mentoring perspective I had several so I'll stay with that same company um, Sharon Dones um and I absolutely love this lady. She was our Senior Vice President of Human Resources. And how she spotted me or just picked me, I have no idea. Um, again I think that probably was a God thing. But she um, latched on to me and so she, her office was at our corporate office and I was in the field office and so I would go out there every now and then. And so one day she said, come in, let me talk to you. So I go in and um she always had and i think this is where i get my bookshelf thing from too she always had a bookshelf and always had the latest business books right and so when you leave her office you are always going to leave with a book right she she always left you with something so she she was talking to me. She said, you know, we're getting ready to start a women's council. And so the purpose of the women's council was to begin mentoring the junior um, leaders, the people that they saw would be promoted up, there, up the ranks and getting in a position. And she said, um, the other thing is we're going to be bringing in coaches. And um, I feel like we should get you a coach. So I'm going to talk to your boss and I'm going to talk to your vice president about, you know, doing that. So I said, oh, okay. Didn't really know the impact that that would have on my life. Um, and so she was true to her word, left with the great book, of course, it was the Four Agreements. And um, probably a couple of months after that, um, she called me one day and I had a choice of two coaches that I could, um, go with. One, her name was Mary Kay and the other one was Doris Shannon. So I chose Doris Shannon. And one of the reasons why I chose Doris is because Doris was an older lady, very wise African American lady. Um, but Dora's values align with my values. So when we had our first conversation, we, we, there was just like a connection that we made. And so I was like, this is the right person. And she is very much the person who opened me up to saying, giving voice to these are my personal values. These are my business values and really looking at an organization saying, do those things align? Right. Do I belong here? Um, and can I be successful here? And so Sharon opened the door for all of that as one of my formal mentors and even to we still talk I still talk to her today and she was one of the ones to when I wanted to go to Bible College actually I did go and take a couple of courses right and she called me (laughs) into her office she said what are you doing and I said what she said I see your tuition reimbursement come through here why are you in Bible College you work in corporate America are you a minister and I was like no and she was like okay listen you're gonna get promoted here and you will make money here But when you leave here, you don't have that piece of paper, you will not make this money. You're not going to be at the same level. They want the paper. That starts the conversation. So change schools. Go to a business school. (laughs) I'll never forget. I'm sitting there. I was like in my mid-30s. And so I was like, okay. So I went out, did a little research, got in school, and of course just went from there. I got my associate's and my bachelor's and my master's and, uh, um, and it, she was, it was true because what I did not know was in 2008, I would be laid off having worked there for 21 years, I was laid off. And so a piece of paper does open a door. And so to those, you know, and I talk to my young people about that, you know, I have my own two children, 27 and 25. Um, I have nieces and nephews. I have lots of little cousins and I always share with them, um, education is important. And when I say education is important, I mean, it's the key. Just like the key that your mama gave you to go and unlock the door or get in the car, only the key that fits the lock unlocks the door. And so education is your pass key to doing that. Sometimes it is just seeing a piece of paper. You may have the experience, you may have the competency to do the job, you might be able to learn on the job, but if you don't have that piece of paper, You won't even get introduced. You won't even get to have the conversation. So she taught me that, and that's something that I pass on to um, others. And then I have another mentor, and that's in my co-pastor, Dr. Tony Alvarado. Um, She, like Sharon, was, um, they both got on me about the same thing at the same time during that. But one of the things I learned from Dr. Tony is perseverance, right? Um, She herself has her own story of things that she's overcome and how, Um, life puts you on a trajectory and sometimes it's not a straight path, right? There's hills and valleys and ups and downs. And so I've gleaned a lot from her through coaching. Um, I became a certified um, life and leadership coach Um, and she is certainly a coach and she's a coach trainer. And um, together we worked in her nonprofit organization called My Sister's Keeper. And um, coaching has just, it's in my blood. It's, It's what I love. And it's the same for her, too. So I've learned a lot by watching her as a wife, a minister, um, as a coach. Um, She knows when to come in and say, hey, mm -mm, that's not working. Get back over here you know, this is what you told me you want to do. So the whole accountability is there from a mentorship standpoint, even from a coaching standpoint, the support you need to say, Hey, you know, sometimes you, you feel like you're running on fumes, you know, you need somebody to kind of help you, or, you know, you feel like you need somebody to lift you up a little bit. I'm dragging who's going to be there to help me. And so she's been a great champion, um, in that uh, respect. And then one of my former bosses here who I still have a relationship with, Deborah Henson, she was, um, more of, Um, I see her as kind of my executive coach slash mentor. Because when I got to the city, there were things I did not understand about the politics of city government. I knew politics and corporate, you know, some of that is kind of black and white. Although there are some subtle things that can happen. But here there are a lot of relationships. So there are a lot of things that are woven, right? And so you don't necessarily know who's connected to who, what's going on, and so when to speak, when not to speak, and who's who. She helped me navigate a lot and um, helped me with my executive presence. And so I would say that those relationships, mentoring, super important. Coaching um, very much important, and that's my part of that's my um, part of of me of for the give back, right? Of giving back to um, others, and so I would definitely say, when you think of mentoring, oftentimes um, we're we're told it's a junior senior relationship, and a lot of times it is, right? It's aspiring to be what someone else is, or you know, um, you know, to follow their path, or to desire to get to a particular level. But I would say a, a really good mentor relationship is also reciprocal, which means the mentee is not the only one who receives, but also the mentor, right? Um, a lot of times people just want to go tap somebody and say, hey, Jacqueline, will you be my mentor? And you don't know them. They don't know you. There's no connection there. So it's like, what are you after really? And I think some of the better relationships come from people who do have a vested interest and people that you do have some type of relationship with, right? Um, not just um, being a taker and a lot of times that's what people want and I know the other term out there is like sponsor who can sponsor me like in some organizations and help and I think all those things are necessary I just think that we need to our motivation for why we want them right the underlying motive um, needs to come from kind of a pure place right and, and I'm not saying everybody's going to take that that's my position um, because I feel like I've been most successful some of those relationships I sought and some of them I didn't. They saw me. They said, there's something in you, so I want to invest my time. Um, and sometimes if we're being true to who we are, they come for you. You don't have to go to them. They come, and they come seeking it. And then the other times we do have to ask, right? But just making sure we're clear about what it is that we want at the end of the day from that mentor or from that coach.
0: Absolutely. Mm-hmm. You know, one of the key takeaways of what you said, too, um, some of it, it sounded like they were some tough love. I mean, they oh, were absolutely. Being very absolutely. <laughs> and you were being receptive mm-hmm. to it. Because sometimes as a, a, you know, even a young person, sometimes you think, no, I'm, you know, I've got, got to keep it 100. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, right. I, you know, this is me, I'm not going to change or bend. But there's some pieces of it, that, that wisdom that they were sharing with you, that sometimes you can... It's better to change an organization from the inside, inside versus from the outside. Absolutely. You know, people want to be a rebel on the outside. And it's like, well, no one even hears you because, right. you know, you're outside standing on that, that street right. just yelling at a brick wall. So,
1: And you know what? I, I will tell you, um, as a young girl, I was sharing this with one of my friends yesterday. I remember um, growing up, I wanted to, like, please everybody. I was I'm my mother's oldest child. There are 5 of us. And so, being the oldest, you had a responsibility, right? To lead to do the right things because your brothers and your sisters are watching you. Your cousins who live next door are watching you on both sides of you. And so my aunts, my grandmother, my mother, everybody had an expectation of Aaron is gonna excel. She's gonna do this, you're gonna do that. A Lot of pressure. And so I wanted to rise to the occasion, right? And so you take that on as a little girl, eight, nine, 10 years old, and then you become a 21 year old. You become a 28 year old, you become a 35 year old and you're still trying to please people. I want everybody to be happy. I want everybody to like me. Because if I'm doing what they want me to do, then... And so one day I woke up and I said, I am stressed out. This is not working for me. You know, I'm like basically in tears and trying to figure out like what in the world happened. And so it went back to my roots. And I said, what's very important? Yeah, when I was in high school, it was important to me to be popular. And I was. I was most popular, right? It's in the yearbook. (laughs) But at 35 40 45 I don't really care about that you know what I'm saying it's no not at the cycle not to sacrifice my life my health you know my purpose I can't do that so then you find a way and I had to find a way of being comfortable in my own skin right and being um courageous enough to say you know what that's not me that's not acceptable behavior for for you to treat me um That's not who I am, and so I learned, and I I will say this one lady, um, when I got laid off, I was so disappointed, did not see it coming, right? And so I called this this lady who had worked for our company for maybe like a year, and um, I I was talking to her, and she said, listen, at the end of the day, Erin, sometimes you can't respect the person, you have to respect the desk, the title on the desk. And I said, what do you mean by that? She said, "We're well, oftentimes um, we don't get to choose our boss. And so sometimes you don't like that person, there's personality conflicts. And um, sometimes you do get along, but sometimes you don't. And when you don't, you don't disrespect them, you disrespect the office that they walk in. So you do the things necessary to get your job done, not having any attachment to that particular person. Excuse me. And from that day to this one, I've used that because there are times when there are people that you don't necessarily like. um, And you question, you know, if they should be in a place that they're in and why they're in that place. And, you know, looking at their leadership. And I don't ever want to be in a place of judging people. But what I do is I take that and I say, people work for you. People work as part of your team. What do they see? What are you showing them? And so on the days that I don't feel good, well, you can't lash out. Do you understand what I'm saying? Because you are then painting a picture for someone or you're impacting someone's life or they may be making a judgment in that moment about who you are. Is that really you? So do you need, maybe you need to take a minute in your office or maybe you need to go walk around the block and get yourself together and then come back. Um, because people do um, follow what we do and people, and as leaders, they take seriously what we say, right? And the actions we take. And so... Um, Listening to her that day, I it, it changed something in me um, for a couple of ways. One, it made me think about um, my childhood again of wanting to be liked by everybody. You can be liked and be disrespected. And being an African-American female, people think oh they're gonna be in your face oh they're gonna be loud or you know whatever all those negative things are so then you know sometimes we mouse it down right like oh let me just here and be quiet because if i ask that question i'll make that statement i have heard in my life so many times oh they were intimidated by you really look at me five seven i'm not gonna tell you my weight <laughs> intimidated by what a conversation a question a comment really that's a, to me the last person who said that to me I said I see that as a cop-out that seems very convenient to me that they will be intimidated by me I said my behavior wasn't threatening anyway and the person who said this to me was sitting in the room during the whole you know the conversation and I said did any my body language anything that I did my voice my tone anything suggest that I was in a defensive mode or intimidating mode. I said, no, but that's just the way the person took it. And I said, well, I believe it's a matter because they didn't get what they wanted from that conversation. So now it's intimidating. Um, I had a VP one time to say to me, you're not a team player. And I said, why? She said, you should just get on board with where we're going and what we're going to do. And you don't need to ask questions. We were on a conference call, right? And so she asks for our opinions, okay, here's me. <laughs> Nobody else on there said anything. They said everything in the background, right? So I, I asked my question and then I made a suggestion, right? So we hang up the phone and then my boss, from where I was sitting in that particular office, he came around the corner, I could see his little head walking around. He comes around and he says, hey, let me talk to you for a minute, close the door. And I said, sure. He said, um, I was just on the phone you know her the name the v p and um she's saying that you you um were not a team player, and I said, what do you mean I'm not a team player i said, here's what and this was during the time of uh t s a we had a huge project, right, and so this is when t s a was being formed this was after nine eleven right, and so we were having to deploy people to um, Boston and Los Angeles and all these different airports, right, to secure. And so our assignment was to get people there. We had to deploy our own resources there to start doing the screening for what was going to be formed as TSA on the Homeland Security, right? And so everything was very time sensitive. It was urgent. This was new ground. We had never been in this place before. And so I said, I made a suggestion, right, about our deployment. She asked. And so I asked the question first and then I made a suggestion. And I said, how is that perceived that I'm not a team player he said I don't know It just she doesn't think I said I don't think she likes me this is this is my response right and he said like, oh no it's not true and so then I went on to tell him things she did when she came to the office right so how she treated one person versus another person he was like no 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 I don't think that's true I don't think that's true I said okay I said well when I get an opportunity to talk to her again I'll, I'll talk that through no you don't need the same thing to her I've already covered it I said no she said it about me you're my manager. You're delivering the message. But if she believes I'm not a team player and she's a vice president, which means she's your boss, I need to understand that, right? So for myself. So I waited a little while, I made an appointment with her, right? So I go to the corporate office, I meet with her and um, that, that one conversation changed everything in our relationship. Right now, today, she sends me notes on Facebook and everything, and here's what happened. I go into the office and I said, I've not had an opportunity to sit down and speak with you since you've taken over as our vice president. Because the the former vice president, we got along very well. She was very outspoken. She She would get in your face. So you got to be thick-skinned with her. But she liked the fact that you just didn't back down, right? That you challenged the process. So here's somebody else that wasn't her style. So that meant for me, I needed to learn to adapt. This is, here's a different person. So understanding your boss, right? Or at least your boss's boss. So I went down, and then so I said, we haven't had a chance to, you know, really meet and talk. And so she said, what's on your mind? I said, well, a couple of things. I said, um... I what I did was I shared with her what my values were and I shared with her the way that I work and so I shared with her some of my past experiences and different things like that and I said and it seems that you have a different lens or you have a different take on how things should be done so I want to make sure that I understand you you understand me and we can build a good working relationship and so she said sure so we started talking and she said well one of the things that I see that you can you can grow from is you need to move from more of a traffic cop to being more strategic. And I said, well, can you give me an example? So she said, sure. So she gave me some examples of some things that happened. And she said, although you executed well, you're directing traffic. I don't want that to be your job. She said, your head is down. You're looking too far in the weeds. I need you to get up. If you want to own this office, I need you to think strategically. You need to look out. And so we she took out her notebook. I'll never forget. And she made three lines in her notebook. And she said, this is how I plan my day. I have what's urgent, critical, and important. She said, what's urgent relates to what I need to take care of for my boss, who I report to. She said, what's critical means these are things that have to happen in order for my goals to be met for this day. And what's important is last on my list. Because usually that's other, those are things other people want me to do for them. So this is how I pride. So this is, she said, I want you to take this as a suggestion of how to look at your day. And I have followed that model. And I often think about what if I didn't go talk to her? Mm -hmm. What if I just took my boss's word, right? And just went off that. What would my life have been like? It was a conversation. And it changed our relationship. So the next time she came to the office, she would stop by and say hello, how you doing, just kind of check in, and then go and make her rounds or whatever. But it made me look at her differently, and I think then she looked at me um, differently. So um, relationships are important, right? Um, whether it's a mentor relationship, coaching relationship, they're formal, informal. Um, but knowing and understanding your boss too is equally important, and your boss's boss. Um, it's important to your success or survival right absolutely mm-hmm. absolutely
0: well I I want to be respectful first of all of your time because okay. we could go on <laughs> um, and there, there's so many great nuggets that you've shared with our audience I hope this isn't the last time that we have you on the show um, is there any final words that you would have or advice or or inspiration for other people young women
1: anyone hmm I would um, Oh, my God. Yeah, there's so much. So let me just think. Um, There are a couple of things. From a uh, coaching perspective, one of the things that we always say is one of the greatest gifts that you can give your client or you can give anyone is the gift of authenticity. And that's being yourself. And, of course, young people, that's the keep it 100 um, type thing, being real. And when I say that, what it means is a lot of times we wear masks. Right. So we have these facades of who we are when we're with the who's who of the world and then who we are at home and who we are at church and who we are. And that takes too much time and energy. Just be you. And the people that are supposed to be in your sphere of influence, they'll be there. Right. The people who are supposed to love you, they'll love you. They'll like you. They'll support you. They'll encourage you. We don't have to become other things. We be an original, right, and be authentic. The other thing I'll say is, um, and um, my my pastor says this um, often is, if you ever see a turtle on the top of a um, uh, a post, if you're sitting on a fence post, please know that the turtle did not get there by himself mm. or herself, because it takes people right helping it takes a team for us to be successful and so i would say while you're pursuing your dream and your goals never forget that you need people to help you be successful and so as a leader um, support and appreciate your team that's up down and sideways your colleagues be honest with people even when it's not popular stand up even when it's not popular even if you're the only one if you, if you feel like you're right with what you're saying it's not being disrespectful, then do that. And sometimes um, that's how we get to the next platform. It's not always conforming. It's not always being like everyone else. It's not trying to make the square peg fit the round hole. It's being you and being true to you. And so part of that starts with being aware. So being aware of who you are, owning it, right? Being comfortable, being confident in it and walking in it. Um, And so that's what I would leave with your audience today.
0: Well, thank you so much. And again, it was a pleasure speaking with Aaron Baugh, Deputy CIO of the Atlanta. um, Atlanta. Thank Thank you, you,
1: Jacqueline. Thank you.
0: Oh, that's, that's Gabby. She's from oh, our play. communications department.
1: Well, while we have you, can I get you to take a couple of snapshots with uh, Aaron and I? I'd yeah, like a couple of us. Um, yeah, Deanna wasn't able to make it today. She had a, a family um, thing. So I'm glad you could come in, Gabby Gab. Oh, <laughs> <laughs>
0: I, I, I um I wanted to know if you had any um social media tags if we oh, could um add it yeah. to our Facebook. Sure, sure, for sure. Up. Yeah, use all of mine. Okay, perfect. My tags and everything.
1: Thank you. Should I get the magazines in there? If you can,
0: absolutely. Sure, I'll can. get that out the way. Okay.
1: let me do a little. One second, just a little bright. Okay, one, two. Okay, one second, let's get another one. Okay. One, two.
0: Then I'm going to get some with my camera. Okay. My. And I want to do um, one with my... This one? Yes. You want <laughs> to send it up I for way, me? Yeah, that way I can...
1: Oops, Excuse sorry.
0: me. And then I'd like to do one with... Have you hold the magazine? Okay. Because I want to send that directly to them, too. Okay. Yeah, that would be, that'd be good.
1: Let's see. So whatever we... Okay. Okay.
0: Okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right, one, two. What's happening yeah, down it's here? Yeah, having a good time. I'm not. <laughs> Lots of feet shots.
1: <laughs> okay,
0: here we go. One, two, three, three, three. Okay, it took like four. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> thank okay, you. Okay, one more, one more, two. Oh, one more. Okay. okay.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, you know, you guys are like Angelina. and, Okay. <laughs> We
1: go.
0: Alright, stay right there. You guys look great. Perfect.
1: Thank oh you. thanks, Gabrielle. Gab. And then I, I can take these. I'm okay. gonna take
0: a couple of you with the magazine. Get out there and take the rest. <laughs> um, do
1: you
0: know when this will be publishing? I don't wanna post anything before you Well I'm going to let's see, the the show I'll actually probably post this evening, so it's going to be seven this evening. Oh, so anytime okay. after seven this evening. You okay, can. yeah. Thank you. And you're going to be putting it on the Atlanta website.
1: Yes, we have a Facebook page. Okay. Um, I was just going to put that last little blurb, her okay. last little um, words of inspiration. Right. Um, but then other than that, I mean, that that was the only thing really. Okay. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. so yeah, we this is all
0: just share. pushing out to help the, um, you know, promotion of STEM and that type of thing. So. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Awesome. awesome. Yes, yes. <laughs> thank you, yeah. Gavin.
0: No problem thank you
1: Okay. Oh, you want me to do all of them or just stay oh, in front Just one, cool. yeah. Just pick cool. yeah, that'd be
0: perfect. let Oh, is Oh, that's nice. always get a couple, you never know. Then. <laughs>
1: What awesome. do you work for, it, Jackie? So, oh, speaking
0: of which, so <laughs> we didn't get to finish. So, part of my my I guess you could call my day I'm freelance. I do freelance. I okay. worked. I worked for Corporate America for thirty years. My oh, last wow. uh, full time contract was our, our position was at Quintile. So I did hmm. pharmaceutical clinical trials. Okay. Um, and so I'm PMP certified. Okay. I'm
1: CBAP certified. I'm Oh Six Sigma. wow. Uh, scrum yeah. yeah. okay. <laughs> so, oh, the Scrum Master? We yeah. have like five here so um, so far that that have gone um, become Scrum Master, but because we're a COTS shop, yeah. so we're trying to work some projects that um, um, introduce an Agile right. so that we can allow them to use their Training, right, that works. right, yeah. exactly. Yeah. So that's it. What I do
0: is, is so when I left and we, I want to spend more time with this. Mm-hmm. Um, is that I do uh, freelance training? Okay. So this is a whole oh, company, definitely. and my focus is actually the business analyst part, the requirements, and that's that right. type of thing. Getting that right, we need that and process and. and Are you registered help. with
1: the city?
0: The B2T, I don't think they are, but I can get him to. Would you yeah. tell me? It that doesn't take that All
1: he needs to do is just go to um, AtlantaGA.gov. Okay. And it'll say doing business with us. Okay. So really you just have to have a business license. No, they ask you a few little basic questions. It's not like a lot. Okay. Um, we have vendors who do it like the same day because really you provide them with a copy. of. Once you go in and talk about who your company is, who you are, whatever, then they ask for a copy of your business license. You basically upload that or scan them in a copy or whatever. And then it goes to our department of procurement. They review it. They might call you. They might not. But then they'll give you like a number. And okay. that becomes your number. And then like for training, because I still have training dollars. And that's one of the things I just talked to Amanda about, right? It's part okay. about mentoring is... Um, getting our BAs trained, oh, right? Wow. Yes, because we have one, two. We have four, but two of them are functioning as project managers oh, because we don't have enough yeah. project managers, so they're doing it. But their skill set really is for the analyst role, so they still do a good job. But that ain't, that's not really what they want to do either. Two of the four. So right. we have this new young lady. Her name is um, Tangelica. Awesome. And so I said, I'm going to use her to help mentor the other ones, but I need to get them training, good quality right. training. So, yes, get ready So thing I can Because yeah, I have some of the curriculum I'm actually rewriting their agile curriculum
0: because um all and our whole thought process too is that you know the whole requirements is a team sport. Absolutely. That, that one person really the BA is the facilitator so it's like so all all of the process. Right. That's right. Bring everybody in, but we all got to look at this from different right. angles. And the B2T, it's made by business. It, this is the niche that they, you know, it's they, they do their training right? in. Okay. And we're all 20 to plus years of BA experience. And so when I talk about it, I've done everything that we teach. That is so, really what
1: we, and see, see, you can bring, not just instruction, but the practical side too, right? Real world experience. And that's what I need them to tap into because it is about eliciting the requirements. So mm-hmm. when you say team, that's why I keep telling them, I said this is a team sport. it a project manager is a face that's mm-hmm. leading the effort. During the task, they're managing the tasks that have to be. So the team has to tell them how long is it going to take me to complete this? Right. How long is it going to take? So then they start to build a schedule for you. A lot of people here are just like, "Well, we got a project manager, and they didn't do blah blah blah. So they're not supposed to, right?" Were you at the project team meeting? No, that's the problem. They just want somebody to do, go do, no. Same thing with the analysts. They want to think the analyst is their administrator. No, they're not. No. Your personal yeah, one of my you know one of my big big things too that a lot of
0: people don't understand. You have the elicitation, and then everything should you go from elicitation documentation. Mm-hmm. Nobody thinks about the analysis, and nobody really That's understands true. what the analysis is. That's true. So literally, the project manager really should have three line items. Don't just put requirements and right. give me you know a week. Mm-hmm. Put breakdown. Elicitation takes this. Analysis takes, takes this. this. This is where I'm going to find all those questions and those gaps and that type of thing. Mm -hmm. And then, to your point, too, even though it's a cost, I show them how to do gap analysis. Mm Because a lot of people don't connect the dots. They're like, well, we bought it. Let's Mm -hmm. just install. No, there's never a perfect fit. Absolutely. That's the way IT is. So, know your gaps know how you're gonna manage? No, it. I love it. Yes, yes, tell them to get It's the so funny when you're too. talking. I was like, we gotta circle back around to yes. that. Yes, but that's what I do because I, I travel. I travel nationally, internationally, actually. And you know, train business. I would that. love That's to have, have you come like in like that band, that. Um,
1: and be and work with my team. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Oh,
0: yes. that'd be wonderful. I, I mean, even been. for
1: project managers to understand. Right. This is the role because some of them Absolutely. are having to do a dual role, right? Yes. And they're not good at it. Yes. So we find all kind of gaps and stuff that happens down like down the road. It's like we didn't catch we didn't catch this. Exactly. Um, and just have the project managers is also important that if the business analysts or or if you have to play the role
0: mm-hmm. prioritization you got to prioritize because i always say you can't do. you're not going to be able to do it all oh you're going to run out of time before you run out of requirements right so the project manager needs to always be saying what order do we need to do this where do we get the value yeah jack well you have to yeah they
1: have to get registered so we can use them i I still have 20 and i got my